A number of different Bible passages this morning, so, um, so if, you, if you want to turn to them, please do. I'll tell you where they are and I'll give you the page numbers, but we are going to sort of dot around a little bit this morning as we, um, uh, as we look at, uh, think about this theme of Harvest Festival, we think about God's goodness. And the, um, the, the first verse I wanted to start with, just to sort of set the scene for, uh, for what we think about, is from the book of Proverbs. And it's a book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verse 7. Uh, it's page 666, which um, I know. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised the Bibles don't skip over the number 666 and just go. But anyway, it's page 666 in the chapel Bibles. But it's just a couple of verses where the writer of Proverbs um, asks the Lord. He has, you know, he's, he's praying to the Lord. And he says, he says, there are two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. That's his first request. And the second is, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonour the name of my God. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Uh, just a, a wonderful, just a wonderful prayer because he says, you know, if I've got too much, then I'll forget that I need you. You know, if I have too much food, if I'm comfortable, then and, and isn't that our our world today? For those of us who are prosperous and well fed, you know, we live in a society that is very rich, and because we're very rich and very comfortable, and because we can. You know, whenever we go to the supermarket, all the food that we want, it will be there. You know, Alan was you know, just saying in the prayers that the days are gone when if a harvest failed, people would, you know, in this country, people would starve. Those days are gone. Uh, you know, supermarkets have a global food chain. And if they can't get potatoes from this place, they'll get potatoes from somewhere else. So we just we never. And it thinks we've become comfortable and in our comfortableness, we forget who God is. But the, he also, the writer of Proverbs also says, uh, you know, don't give me riches, don't give me poverty. Because if I don't have enough, then I may end up being, you know, reduced to stealing and so dishonour the name of the Lord my God. And uh, sometimes when I read that verse, I, I just, I pray, Lord, that I just, that's how I would love to live. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread, so that I'll remember my dependence upon God. Not forget him because I'm too comfortable and uh, not be so stressed and anxious and wondering, well, how am I going to how am I going to feed myself? So it's a great verse to start with as we think about uh, harvest and giving thanks to God. May that be our prayer that we would just have what we need and be generous from our abundance. And we think a bit more about, well, why, you know, why aren't we more generous? You may remember there was an occasion when. Uh, a woman anointed uh, Jesus's feet uh, before his um, before his crucifixion. She brought this very expensive alabaster jar of perfume that was worth a you know it was literally worth a small fortune, and uh, she broke it and anointed Jesus's feet. And there's a sort of you know outcry amongst some of Jesus's disciples because they say. Uh, you know you know that could have been sold and the money could have been used to help the poor. And, uh, and Jesus says, no, what, what she's done is to anoint me for my burial. He says, you will always have the poor 
with you. He says, you'll always have the poor with you. So, so that's a challenging question is, well, why? Why do we always have the poor with us? At the beginning of Genesis, just going to read a, f- a few verses from Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 1, uh, really from, from verse 27. It's on page 4 in the Bibles, if you want to follow it. But it's just from the creation account of how, how things were in the beginning, because we get so used to living in a world where there is, you know, there is inequality. Uh, you know, as um, Alison was sharing before about, you know, abundance of food on a cruise and then, you know, the poverty in Africa. And I was just th- thinking back to one of my trips to, uh, 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 to Pakistan and uh, going to visit families living in brick kilns with, you know, l- you know just the poorest of diets, uh, you know, literally scraping a living and living in just abject poverty, uh, you know, living out in the countryside where there are no shops, uh, just, you know, desperate for, you know, just to keep body and soul together. And then, you know, leaving the brick kilns and getting on a plane and flying to um, having a stopover at Istanbul. And it was the occasion when my f- flights had been messed up and I'd had to fly back a business class. And so I had four hours in the business class lounge at Istanbul airport. So I'd suddenly gone from this contrast of being in a brick kiln with you know, people, you know, hungry and literally scraping together enough to eat and then being in a business class lounge at Istanbul where there was just more food that you could, you know, you could possibly eat and just the... the and we get so used to living with this inequality that we almost become... Um, uh, become used to it. We become used to it. You just think, oh, well, that's, you know, just the way it is. And important to be reminded that's not the way God created the world to be. Something... You know, something has gone wrong. Uh, read in Genesis 1, 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. That's how God created the world. That's how everything was set up to be be perfectly balanced to everything to be in harmony. You know, the story of Adam and Eve before the fall is they, you know, they live with God in the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden is, you know, it's, it's fruitful. Uh, it's a place of abundance. It's a place where there is enough because that's how God created the world to be. And it's important sometimes just to step back and to remember that the world that we live in is not as God intended it to be. Something has gone wrong. And Jesus tells us very clearly uh, what's gone wrong. There's a parable that Jesus tells in Luke's gospel. Uh, It's in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. It's on page 1045, if you want to uh, just uh, read it with me in the chapel Bibles, page 1045. Uh, We looked at this in our series on Luke, uh, probably, I don't know, probably two years ago now. But uh, it's a parable of the rich fool. And uh, I'm just going to read from 
Uh, from verse 15, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And uh, in this parable, Jesus just tells us, well, what has gone wrong with the world? That God created a world of abundance, a world in which there was enough for everyone. Uh, What's gone wrong? Uh, What Jesus um, explains. Verse 15 of Luke 12. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Uh, A person's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You see, once we... Once we push God off his throne and enthrone ourselves, once we forget about God, then our lives become all about this world and all about material things and all about our possessions. Well, Jesus says our lives don't consist in the abundance of our possessions. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. The challenge is about greed. That's how he begins. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I think in the, I think in the West, in, in, our, in our lives, we're, we're so used to an abundance, we, we, sort of, we, we become greedy without even realising that that's what, we're, that's what we're doing. We kind of, we hoard always, almost without realising that that's what we're uh, that's what we're doing because we're just used to such an abundance. And so often what we do is we, when we give, uh, we give out of our abundance, but it doesn't cost us. It doesn't cost us very much. We're going to look at another passage from one of Paul's letters in, in a moment where, where Paul writes about giving in a way that should be costly. That so often we give out of our abundance. We, you know, we give what we think we can spare. And actually in our hearts, there's still, you know, there's still a, there's still a greediness. We still gather to ourselves more than we think that we need. And the, the point of the parable is, well, how, you know, how do you know how long you've got to enjoy everything that you have? You know, any one of us might go to be with the Lord if we trust in him before this day is out. And all the things that we've collected and all the things that we've, we've hoarded, well, we won't get them. Uh, you know, I've, I don't know if you, if you followed my um, turn the page thing on Facebook. I wrote a, a story, a turn the page story on Wednesday, just thinking about the, you know, the Queen Elizabeth's funeral on Monday and just, you know, just four billion people around the world watched it. You know, 2000 people in Westminster Abbey, you know, 500 leaders and dignitaries. And uh, when I was watching it on Monday, I was just remembered a funeral that I took um, a few years ago when I was um, uh, my second curacy up in Chesley Street. And it was, um, uh, it was a homeless gentleman who'd been found. He'd been found in a field and no one knew who he was and no one was able to identify him. So uh, they couldn't find any, literally no one who knew him, no relatives, uh, didn't know his name. So at the funeral, which I conducted, there was, there was me, uh, the funeral director, and four pallbearers. And that was it. And 
you know, no one knew anything at all about his life. And in my, the story that I wrote on Wednesday, I said, well, actually, um, he and the Queen had quite a lot in common. Despite their different circumstances, they had quite a lot in common because both of them were created in the image of God. Uh, a God who loved them. But one of the things that they had in common was neither of them brought anything into the world. And neither of them took anything out. And that's the truth for all of us. And it should make us sit up and think, well, actually, I've, I've got all of this stuff. I've got all of this wealth. How should I be using it in this life? How should I be using it? Uh, Jesus ends the parable. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. That's the important thing. Are we being rich towards God? And um, sometimes we forget how, um, uh, how significant being greedy is, if I put it like that, uh, and how dangerous greed is. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 5, and he's writing to Christians and he's telling them about things that they should put to death in their lives. And this is what he says, Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. In other words, your, your sort of your unredeemed nature, your, the nature that you had without Christ. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And this is what he says. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. And generally what we do is we never get further than sexual immorality and impurity and, and lust. And, you know, that's always the... You know, when someone falls from grace in the Christian world, it's usually for sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. You know, that's, you know, that's what people get called out on. And we forget that actually greed is as significant. You know, how... I mean, I can't think of... Just trying to think if I can think of anyone. I don't think I can think of any Christian leader... That has kind of fallen from grace or fallen out of ministry because of greed. It's always for the other stuff. And yet Paul lists them together. Uh, we need to, you know, look at our hearts. Are we being rich towards God? Are we being rich towards ourselves? Uh, Paul writes to um, the second letter to the Corinthians. You might want to turn to this one. It's um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, it's page 1162 in the Chapel Bibles. 1162, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, because if we were thinking about, well, when God created the world, it was created with, you know, with equality. There was enough for everyone. God created a world in which there was an abundance for everyone to enjoy. And then we thought, well, things have gone wrong and they've gone wrong because of our... Greed, we set God to one side and we live for ourselves. And so we, we hoard and we have an abundance. You remember, you know, a couple of years ago when the pandemic started and uh, you couldn't get a toilet roll for love nor money because, because when suddenly people were afraid there wasn't going to be enough, everyone suddenly hoarded. And our, you know, our true human nature came out that when our back's against the wall, who do we look after? Well, we look after ourselves. In general, there are glorious exceptions, but that's the selfishness of our human nature without God that we, you know, we, we've gone, well, if I've got enough, well, then I can think about being, sharing a bit and being generous. You know, if I've got 3,000 toilet rolls in my loft, I can give six away. 
if that's how it works. Uh, well, how do, we, how do we not live like that? How do we live in a different kind of way? Because, and particularly as Christians, particularly as the church, one, part of the reputation that we should have is for being extravagantly generous. Uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, one of the reasons that the early church grew was because of this extraordinary and extravagant and sacrificial generosity that Christians were known for. And Paul is writing to an early church, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this church in Corinth, and he writes to encourage them in generosity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, this is what he says. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In other words, if we want to be generous and gracious, we won't do it by ourselves because our hearts are selfish and turned in on themselves without Christ. So that's why he says, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. It's only when we receive God's grace that we can become generous and sacrificial. The Macedonian churches, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So this is a church that is poor. These are Christians who don't have enough. They don't have enough. They're not giving out of an abundance. They're giving out of their extreme poverty. But because of God's grace in their lives, they are rich in generosity. What a, you know, what a challenge for us who, who have so much to think, well, here is a church who had little And yet their hearts welled up in rich generosity. I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. So basically, Paul is, the situation is the church in Jerusalem is going through a really hard time. And the church in Jerusalem are starving. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're experiencing extreme poverty. And so as Paul is going around, he's, he's, he's collecting money to take back to Jerusalem. That's what's going on in Corinth. And the Macedonian churches, he's saying to the church in Corinth, they're pleading with him to be able to give to the church in Jerusalem, even though they haven't got much to give. And even though what they're giving is really costing them. Because they're in extreme poverty themselves, but they've heard about the needs of their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And they're like, Paul, please, please take this money from us and take it to Jerusalem. And Paul might have said, well, hang on a minute. Don't you need this? You know, you're not very well off yourselves. Don't shouldn't you? But they're like, no, because of God's grace at work in their hearts, they want to bless their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Verse five, this is the key verse. They did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. They gave themselves first to the Lord. That's the, you know, that's the key. That's what Jesus says in the parable in Luke about the contrast between those who store up things for themselves but are not rich towards God. The church at Macedonia had discovered what it was to be rich towards God. And as they were rich towards God, as they realised that God was able to look after them, so they became generous. Because I think there are a couple of reasons why we're not more generous than we are. One is because, well, we kind of hoard and we're greedy. The other is 
that we have this fear of lack. We worry that we're not going to have enough. We worry that if we are sacrificially generous, well, 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 then I might not have enough. And what these, uh, the church in Macedonia had discovered, I think, was that actually God would meet their needs. And the more generous they were, God would kind of backfill their needs. So they could give away, you know, sacrificially and generously and trust God to backfill. You know, they could like, you know, give more than they could afford to. And God would make up the difference. And that's what Paul goes on to say in the next chapter, chapter nine, just on the next page. Uh, verse six of chapter nine, two Corinthians. Uh, Paul uh, reminds them of this. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should give what they have decided in their hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word is, is um, it's, it's the, best, the better translation is hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. You know, we should be, you know, splitting our sides laughing as we give away more than we can afford to. Uh, 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 God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace, here's that word again, make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I remember many, many years ago being challenged about, uh, about giving. And at the time, I was, the, the mentality that I had at the time was a kind of mentality of, it was kind of a spirit of poverty. It was always this thought that, well, we've, we've barely got enough, so how can we possibly be generous and give away? And, and for, for a number of years, I just sort of lived with that spirit of poverty of thinking, well, well, you know, we've barely got enough to get by on. So how can I, you know, how can I afford to give generously? And I remember being challenged by this and hearing someone speak about this, this particular verse. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And the, the thing that I was challenged about was actually I didn't trust God. I didn't trust God to give me everything that I needed. Because I didn't trust God to give me everything I needed, I was then afraid to give away. Because I thought, well, if I give away, I, you know, we're really... And, and I got to a point of just having to decide whether or not God was faithful or not. And whether or not God was true to his promises. And so I just took a decision one day that even though I didn't think I could afford to be generous... And to give what I felt God wanted me to give, I just did it anyway. Uh, one of the things that I started to do was to, was to tithe to the local church. I started to give 10% of my income to the local church and then to give on top of that. And I really didn't think I could afford to do it. But I just took a decision. God is faithful. God will give me all that I need and I want to be faithful to him. And that was one of the things that I really felt I should do was to give 10% of my income to the work of the church and then to give to other things on top of that. And I can honestly say that in all of those years since, God has given us everything that we needed. It's not always been easy. Sometimes we've really struggled. And I remember um, coming home from holiday one time and uh, uh, we were going to go to, 
the supermarket and do some shopping. And I realised uh, we hadn't got any money. Because <laughs> we, it was like three days before payday and we literally hadn't got any money. And we, uh, we, 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 we searched the house and we found seven pounds. And so we went to the supermarket and we spent seven pounds. But we had enough. We had enough. We didn't starve. We didn't go hungry. We probably had a larder full of food. But, you know, we had enough. And God has always met our needs. And it's this thing of, you know, if we go back to where we started in Genesis, how has God, you know, God created the world to be a place where there would be enough for everyone. If we were good stewards, which is what we were created for, there would be enough for everyone. And it's because we've become terrible stewards that we live in a world of inequality. But as we come back to the Lord Jesus and as in our lives things start to get put back into their proper order and have their proper perspective and their proper priority, then things start to change because we realise, yes, we have a God who is faithful, who will provide for us and meet all of our needs. And so out of that, we can be generous and sacrificially generous And, um, you know, we're going into a season where there is going to be great poverty, not just overseas, but great poverty in our own nation. Uh, You know, we keep hearing about the cost of living crisis and rising food prices and fuel bills. For many people, this winter will be a winter of real, real hardship. And the church should be at the forefront of, of meeting that need because God has given us so much. And so as... You know, as a church, as we celebrate this harvest, you know, let's not just give thanks to God for all that he's given us, but let's be challenged in how we respond to the abundance that God has given us. Let's be sacrificially generous. Let's be challenged by the Macedonian churches who had very little, and yet they pleaded with Paul to give generously. Why? Because they gave themselves first to the Lord. May we give ourselves first to the Lord. Let's pray together as we um, draw to a close this morning. And Father, we...